Keith Jordan, Managing Director, Hitachi Rail, Peter Thomas, Director, Transforming Whitehall Institute for Government. Thank you for talking to the Cambridge Service Alliance podcast series today. We're here at Service Innovation, Competitive Advantage Through New Business Models. Can we start by asking you, Peter, why you decided to come today and what your role in government is? I've come today because the Institute for Government's job is to work with senior politicians and officials and help them think how to make government work better. And we're seeing a lot of different examples around government about new models, and we feel this debate is much broader than just the public sector. And your role is to transform Whitehall? Our role is to create a different kind of space and connect senior leaders to ideas so that they can transform it. So we work with them and we don't do things to them. And Keith, why did this Service Alliance conference appeal to you and what's your role? My role is to develop the Hitachi Rail operation within the UK and Europe and one of the things we try to do is to actually look at the service delivery of trains and operation and things like that, which is why the Service Alliance is so useful to us, to learn from other people in different industries but with the same challenges. What struck me listening to both seminars is that you're both in fast changing environments for different reasons but if we go to you Peter not only does Whitehall have to cope with a a new incoming government it has to cope with a public sector deficit cutbacks and yet raised expectations of public service delivery is that a good summary of the climate you're in? It is. I think you'd have to look 150 years to see a more profound change in pressure on how government does business. And why are those pressures here today? Financial pressures are huge, but also the last 20 years of public service, trying to take accountability for improving public services, understanding the limitations of capability in government and the civil service, means that we we realise what we do doesn't work well enough. If you add to that no increase in money and actually big decreases in money, we have to do things better or at least good enough for an awful lot less. And does that, if you like, require innovation? Are people threatened by those changes? And is innovation a glib word or are people rising to those challenges and see them as opportunities? Well, the answer to that, all of those is yes. I mean, it's glib to say it's a great opportunity for innovation because the impact of reductions in public services is really tough loss of service and support for some of the most vulnerable people in the country. But public service staff are already experimenting with very different ways of making services work better, even with less. And we know that some things we do don't work as well as they might do. We know that we spend money on a project on drugs, say, when actually what people need is a project to improve their literacy so they can get a job. So we know there's better use to be made of public money. So if we could just make the best use of what reduced money available is then we think there's still a chance to deliver good public services. Well, we'll come back to those innovations in a minute. But, but Keith, it's not always great in your sector, rail either, is it? Because you think very long term. You have to have partners all over the world. You talked about Japanese trains being the best. But penalties, you know, if you don't meet targets for train times, if you don't do the repairs on time, if you don't attend to a crash on time, 
penalties. Mm. I think that the key challenge really now in the uh, UK rail industry is value for money. Obviously it's being led by the government and what they're trying to do is actually focus on the, the customer and what the customer gets out of it and does the customer get value for money. Not just the fair paying customer but also the taxpayer and one of the ways they're trying to do it at the moment is to introduce penalties so that in theory unless the train turns up where it's supposed to and it's absolutely perfect and it's reliable then no money exchanges hands and that's the driver so that drives the industry and the support function to actually make sure that we deliver on time otherwise we don't get paid. And you talked about the long time scales you work to clearly if you're going to commission yeah, new trains and 27 years you're asking the banks for loans. <laughs> Yes, that, that is part of a challenge. The rail industry moves very very slowly. There's a lot of regulation and a lot of discussion with suppliers and the government uh, and an awful lot of contracts to negotiate. But ultimately, the, the long-term payback is why Hitachi are in the UK, uh, not just to deliver trains and walk away, but to be part of the, the whole infrastructure and the whole network system to get the, the most value out of the money, the taxpayers' money. Peter, innovation, now you were looking and thinking the unthinkable, some might call it blue sky thinking, but you talked about your, your Peterborough bond, where if you like you get philanthropists to, to invest in the criminal justice system. Yeah, I mean what I was sharing was an example from Ministry of Justice, it's not an institute example, because that's a global first, it shows how much creativity there is in the UK public sector, where they're trying to connect investors' appetite to invest in a different kind of project, but with a return, with the need to find a way of knitting together all the complex services you need to stop somebody reoffending. So it's a, it, it, it's a really ambitious model to find money where there wasn't money before and to spend it on a group who tend to be neglected and to reduce their reoffending. And so if the Ministry of Justice makes savings because it's reduced reoffending, then the investors get a return on their money? Yes, they, they only get paid if they, if they achieve a reduction in reoffending, and uh, the more the re reduction in reoffending compared to a control group, the greater their return. Now, Keith, for you, business models must be essential in terms of delivery, strategic thinking. How important is it to have the right business models? The right business model is absolutely essential for a long-term industry such as the rail industry where you, um, you pay a lot of money for an asset that has to last at least 25, 35, sometimes 45 years. So you have an awful lot of chance to make mistakes and for, to lose money. If the model is not right, then that can cost you very, very much long-term. So to get the, the model right at the start, to get lots of experience from such a, an organisation as, as we have today, absolutely essential to make the right start to get profitability and long-term sustainability for the industry. And, and is risk important? Is it important to take on risks where you may not want to, even in a culture which is penalty-driven? <laughs> Unfortunately, with the rail industry, you, you have to take some risks. We have to believe in ourselves that uh, these risks will not happen, but you do have to model them. We have shareholders, we have stakeholders who, who want everything to be a success. You, you can only take so, so much risk, but it's, in, in the rail industry, you have to sometimes bite the bullet and say, we will deliver this, and that's something that you, you have to get on and do. Peter, the Cambridge Service Alliance and, if you like, business models, engineering principles into the public sector, that is new, isn't it? Uh, 
relatively new. I mean, we've tended not to talk about things in terms of business models, but the civil services own capability reviews identified picking the wrong delivery model as one of the top four issues, and that was four years ago. And big departments have been applying business techniques like lean and continuous improvement for, for, again, five, six, seven years. So it's not new, but what's hard in the civil service is to change the default delivery model. So we're very comfortable and familiar with doing certain things in certain ways. But to change that and say, that's not the best delivery model, we should do it like this, that's tough. That, that, That change is a tough change to make. So it's more about accepting the limits of some of the models we've got and that we need different ones is, is what's tough. And because you're in this climate of cutbacks, you say it's sort of the biggest challenge the civil service has faced. Do you think that will make people risk-averse? No, I think it'll be the opposite. It'll give them permission to try something different because you can take waste inefficiency out of a system, but if you've got to take 50% out of a service, you want to think, well, is there a very different way we could do this which will deliver as much service as possible? So I think it'll... People will really, really want to try to find the best way of delivering as much service as possible. And those brilliant mavericks, are you prepared to invest in their ideas? Is is now when they're most needed or or when perhaps you might sideline them a little? I think there's a huge appetite in government and the civil service for those who are prepared to articulate and lead a very different way of doing things. And the fact the Ministry of Justice has done a pilot that people said was impossible speaks for itself. Keith... Toilets on trains. You spent some time talking about how you, if you like, test and model everything, including the robustness and vandalism of the toilets, because that's what most annoys the customers if it's not working, those electronic voices sort of opening the door when it shouldn't be doing. But, but modelling's important, isn't it? And planning for the future and getting the best service designs. Yes, I think it's the feedback of what the customer wants, but also how the customer uses a product is what you need to feed into the design. The example you used where we modelled train toilets, we got customers on board to try and destroy the toilet, to vandalise it, to use it absolutely the wrong way, but to make sure that it, it, it would still carry on working. So doing things like that and addressing the real customer issues, not just the engineering design, is, is a key to sort of providing the, the correct customer service. You talked about a, a model where you had rehearsals, 30 years of maintenance. I mean, that's quite something. Yes, it's a, it's a highly complex model. We, we have to model a lot of trains travelling around the country, potential simulating what goes wrong, all the issues that can go wrong, including vandalism on trains, which everybody knows about. But you, that's somewhere where you have to model, but at the end of the day, there are some risks involved. It is still a model. Um, reality is something different. What you need to do is not just model, but follow up the reality with feedback and make things better over the life. Well, Peter, you're looking on curiously at what Keith is saying, but but lessons here today at the Cambridge Service Alliance for the public sector, are there many? I think there are. It's, it, it's, it's where you can end up if you think very, very differently about where value lies in, in, in the services you're offering to a customer. So I love the example of Rolls-Royce of, you know, we sell hours in the air rather than engines that DHL are assembling car doors for Audi, it just shows where, what a different place you can end up in if you think differently about where is the value and what, what value can you add as an institution, and that's, that's a journey government's on. And do you see yourself as having, in a way, the same objectives for your outcomes as the private sector have? It, it may be profit, 
in the sense that it's not costing the public purse as much? It, it's, it's value, and it's value in an era where there's a lot less money in the public sector. And Keith, your outcomes and objectives for the coming years? <laughs> Obviously, run a successful business, but I think um, as a developing company within the UK and Europe, we, we have to maintain our differential and do things differently, hopefully better than our competition. That's the only way a company will survive. But I think the key thing is working with the government, with the operators, with Network Rail, with all our suppliers to look at the whole system and whole life, cost and benefit, all the way through to the, the final customers who pay a ticket for a train. Well, finally, can I just spring a wish on you? Because, Peter, do you perhaps wish you had 27 years to, to actually <laughs> plan for to meet your outcomes rather than, say, four years before you might get political change again and a new party at the, the helm? Have your wish. I wish we take the five or six bold steps that I think the civil service and the government is shaping up to to really dive in and do some things very, very differently because we have to. There's no other way in the current climate. And Keith? I think it, it would be good if the rail industry could work at a slightly slightly higher tempo. Things take a little bit too long sometimes to come to fruition. So anything that could shorten that timescale would be a benefit to a, an awful lot of people. Well, Keith Jordan, Managing Director, Hitachi Rail, Peter Thomas, Director, Transforming Whitehall Institute for Government. Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Service Alliance podcast series today here at Service Innovation Competitive Advantage through New Business Models Conference. I've learned so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.